Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk, producer and host of the Public Relations Review podcast. When I conceived this program, my idea was to provide public relations practitioners with a wide variety of solid, useful information and guidance from public relations professionals across America. And we are doing that. I will continue to cover important topics such as crisis communications and artificial intelligence and other such important topics. But I will also address other issues such as diversity in public relations, marketing to women, public relations trends, various data concerns, and much more. From time to time, I will also invite vendors of public relations products on to help you better understand how these products can improve your efficiency and your effectiveness. You will learn a lot from our podcast, so thank you for listening, and please inform your colleagues about the Public Relations Review podcast and continue listening. Thank you so very much. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Hello, and welcome to Public Relations Review. Today, our topic is diversity in public relations. This topic basically came to me as I was reading the January issue of ComPro newsletter, and the headline basically says, Diversity in Public Relations. Eight Things Communicators and Agencies Can Do Today to Make a Difference. The article was written by three individuals. I'm going to name the uh, two of them, and I'm going to bring on the third as our guest. The first is Neil Foote, who is president of the National Black Public Relations Society. Another uh, author was Simon Erskine Locke, who is founder and CEO of Communications Match. And our guest today, Tracy Wood Mendelson. She is the CEO of the Black Public Relations Society of New York, and she's joining us today from New York. Tracy, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Peter, for having me. Would you sort of from your perspective give us an overview of diversity in public relations today as you and your, your uh, team see it? Well, diversity in public relations is, and in communications generally, inclusive of advertising is an ongoing topic of conversation and initiative and something that everyone pays a lot of lip service to things needing to be done to achieve it. However, it's slow going and there are a lot of internal hindrances in in respective agencies to getting that to happen and that can be very wide ranging. There, we are still overcoming certain things, such as, you know, the perception that African Americans have lesser acumen and skills at the ready for the job. There's still a sense of that we don't write as well or we're not as culturally astute beyond our own what is perceived as our own culture when quite the opposite is true, um, I, if I may invoke um, W.E.D.B. Du Bois's double consciousness theory. I mean, that is still the world we live in. You know, uh, blacks are co- acutely aware of, of the dominant culture. And I think that, you know, what I've been hearing a lot lately with certain agencies now the excuse is, oh, there's so much competition for the diverse talent. There isn't enough of it. And yet you send them, you know, um, candidates and there's other reasons. Oh, this person's overqualified for this job or this person doesn't have enough experience yet. And and it's about making space. And some places are. And some places, some agencies have really proactive people in the diversity and inclusion role which I must stress is not an HR position. It's it's an it's a, it's an it's a section of the company that is charged with achieving what should be a business imperative and is definitely a social equality issue. And there are other agencies that have someone in a post, and they might sponsor things or whatever, but their numbers are abysmal. 
And well, let me uh, just ask you a, a quick question about mm-hmm. that. When you find those agencies that are doing a good job in terms of uh, bringing in diverse uh, staff and, and at professional levels, do you call on them to perhaps provide advice to others as to how they do it? But more importantly, the benefits that they're getting from having a diverse staff. Well, yes. I mean, there are people who do recognize it. And one, we try to partner with those agencies, and and we're fortunate enough in the New York chapter of Black Public Relations Society to have a few agencies as partners where um, diversity is more than just um, a flash word, um, a buzzword. And the the people who are really engaged in it will tell you that it makes for a richer work environment. It it makes for a better brain trust for their clients. Frankly, you know, if you have someone in, of color in the room, things like the the recent Prada debacle with the monkeys on a bag or the Pepsi commercial, which appropriated an iconic contemporary social justice photo and reduced it to a young supermodel, you know, benevolent sort of thing. The picture was originally of a woman bravely facing down police, a phalanx of police. So, you know, those things don't happen if someone of color is in the room who, you know, is conscious and aware and and, and feels that they have the the room, the platform, the respect to speak out. And, you know, speaking mm-hmm. truth to power is, is what a lot of us have to do on a daily basis. And it's hard when people have a paycheck. So one of the things, getting more diverse talent in is one of the things, and that's important. And I don't, we're not talking about quotas. We're talking about equity and opportunity. And, but the other thing is that the agencies have to change their culture. People have to change their way of thinking. So, you know, now firms are beginning to have, you know, internal workshops dealing with unconscious bias. And, you know, my feeling is, okay, the antidote to unconscious bias is conscious diversity and intentional inclusion. You know, it, it's sort mm-hmm. of like I had, you know, a, a group of young men involved in PR, um, young black men, and, you know, PR is still heavily a female-dominated industry, except at the very top. You know, there are very few firms, big firms, which, but there are some with female CEOs and presidents. But anyway, they, you know, just feeling heard, period, is a challenge. And so what do we do? I spoke the other day with a CEO and a chairman of a, of a firm that, has a diversity initiative and we have a relationship with them but they have not great numbers and when I addressed it with them they basically told me you know they have it handled because they have this one person in a certain role and that they had shown the film Selma uh, on a loop all day in a certain room after MLK Day, and that they use the Rooney Rule, which I believe generates from the NFL, where you know uh, one right. diverse candidate for each position. And I, I sat there with my colleague, flabbergasted, frankly. And it was an impromptu conversation. It wasn't a scheduled meeting, and we were in sort of a public area, so I didn't feel that I could really go in on them, so to speak, and just, you know, try to penetrate what I felt was just obdurate. It wasn't ignorance. It was deliberate. It was, it was it, to me, it was coming from a place of, listen, this is ours, and, and we'll give you, you know, what we give you, and we'll make, you know, the minimum effort. My mother had an expression, if you're willing to settle for crumbs, you'll get less than that. And that's how I feel. I feel it's really time to challenge the agencies and and also to do it from the client side to say, you know, particularly when they're brands that have a large part of their market share is amongst African-Americans, you know, that's what we have to do is, 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 and that's what we're starting to do is, is talk to the corporations and say, look, you know, you would be getting better results if you had, if you're, representative had a more diverse team. 
And that was that. I guess that's another question I wanted to sort of ask you, though. And one of those when an organization shows success, uh, as it be it either on the on the client side or the or the uh, agency side, when they have success to, to highlight them, because one of people emulate success. And how do you get there? Some some years ago, I forget exactly where it started. When I started seeing handicapped people in commercials, in wheelchairs, or on uh, on crutches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that had never happened, and I think Walmart did it. Uh, maybe Walmart did it. I recall some years back that one of the banks in New York had particular ATMs that were built for people in wheelchairs because, as I understood it earlier, ATMs, the, the wheels on those wheelchairs bumped into the wall, and they couldn't get to the panel, so they made those right. changes. And as a result, they got uh, you know exceptional public relations for that, and a lot of goodwill. I think maybe even more more business came to their uh, you know to their uh, stores or, or their banks. So holding people up who are doing what you're needing does that sort of help? Yes. Um, recently, the Public Relations Society of America, which is our general market counterpart and a behemoth, a huge organization, as you well know, they published a book in which our national president and the co-author of uh, this article that you referred to early on, Neil Foote, is part of. It's called Diverse Voices, Profiles and Leadership. And it, I think it's about 40, 41 uh, people profiled. And they talk about their experiences or whatever. And each of them are talented professionals who have succeeded at what they do. And basically, one of the things that uh, with our partner communications match, which if there are any communications professionals out there, you should go on communications match and put your profile up because people looking for talent, whether it's individuals or agencies, will be going to this site to find the talent. And we have an initiative for diversity with communications match, not only for individuals, but also for diverse owned agencies. And actually, Mm -hmm. some big corporations have come to me lately, not only asking for candidates, but uh, individual candidates, but also asking that we help them identify the diverse agencies that are out there. So that's exciting. Um, I think that that's another way for us to gain the right footholds and for us to be in the game. I think, you know, the history with diverse-owned agencies is that they would get a piece of the business, the piece of the business that speaks to, you know, the African-American market or the Hispanic market. Mm -hmm. We also partner with the Hispanic Public Relations Association in New York. They're part of the communications match a diversity initiative and 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 that's based on a, a relationship that I initiated with the New York chapter here but the fact of the matter is is that you know giving us that little section of the business has had a, a double-edged sword effect throughout history because when budgets are cut what do we think the first budget to go is the diverse budget the black budget the black market budget so that has caused through the years, you know, serious layoffs or even closings of black-owned agencies. And in my career as a marketing communications person, I've marketed theater, and I would work Broadway and off-Broadway shows. And I was fortunate enough to work on a variety of different things. And, you know, it would sometimes um, be remarked upon that why was I working on this show? I mean, we're just talking about 10 years ago. Why was I working on the show? Because Mm -hmm. it wasn't a black show. And my answer to people is, look, I'm a marketer. I'm a communicator. If your audience is one-legged Japanese banjo players, I will find them for you. That's what I know how to do. We have this. I understand. We have the education, but there's this perception um, that's really skewed. So one of the things that I hope happens in the movement of diversity and inclusion is that um, diverse-owned agencies begin to get some of that general market business and show their stuff. And we can think in in both idioms, in all idioms, practically. And, and that's one of the one of the things we're doing at Black Public Relations Society New York is we have we're developing a division that caters specifically to diverse-owned agencies and independent 
practitioners and consultants because they have a different set of needs than people who want to be in agencies and in communications, you know, in-house communication departments or at nonprofits. You know, it's, it's the opportunities. This is this is the thing about marketing communications skills is one, you know, to a very large extent, they're portable. Two, they're changing all the time, the needs. You know, now you have to be a hyphenate with uh, literacy and digital and, and social media and all of that. But also it's needed for it, it, the, the practice areas are growing as well. You know, a few years ago you didn't have social justice practices that Many agencies that's growing, crisis communications, corporate responsibility. I mean, it's just there are so many areas, and we want to expose people to all of them and and to to present the landscape so people can chart a career that will be meaningful to, to them. Because as someone who started out early in an ad agency in the PR department, working on a travel account, and then within a few years, I was. I was encouraged to go out on my own, and I did. And I've gone back on staff at place and whatever throughout my long career. But the point that I'm trying to make is that it's a good life. If you, it's a good life professionally from the standpoint that you have the opportunity to be exposed to a lot of things and work with a lot of really intelligent and creative people and interesting projects. You have an opportunity to shape messages, you know, if you're interested in consumer products and you just want to do those kinds of promotions, that's fine. If you're interested in corporate responsibility and you want to make meaningful impact, you have that choice. There are so many options to pursue in the field, and I'm excited about that fact. And I think under, under those conditions, understanding that maybe some of the listeners might still need to hear some of those tips that you're giving to help them improve the diversity. What do they need to do? How can they, uh, where do they need to go? What do they need to do, you know, as, as you listen in your article, to identify qualified applicants or staff or, se- or senior well, people? Well, sure. One, they can go to communications match. They can connect with recruiters that work with diversity, they can go to HBCUs that have college fairs, and and there's a a woman in New York, her name is Donna Ranella, she's a recruiter, and she is devoted to the PR department at Howard University and goes every year and has, you know, is devoted to making sure there's equity um, in hiring and is just, so you have to find the people who are helping the talent get from one point to another. Mm-hmm. So there are educators, there are the support organizations, PRSA has student organizations at most colleges. Um, we're beginning to do that, and we're going to be working with Burson Cone Wolf uh, indirectly with some HBCUs in terms of the curriculum. Our internship initiatives are growing. You can look to, you know, the, the agencies have to cast a wider net in in their search for talent from the internship level to the, you know, the C-suite. They just have to, and the talent is there. So uh, those, let, me, let me add to that right quick because one of the things when I was in the Clinton administration, one of the things that uh, I had an opportunity to do was bring in some interns during the summer. Strangely enough, I was a little bit hesitant about it because I just didn't think that students were going to be able to function at this level. Well, where was I surprised? Somehow or another, I ran across <laughs> this young lady. She was from Howard University. I did go through the interview process. And sure, I think she did well. I think maybe just because of the past others, I didn't think much more about it. Probably a day or so later, she called, and she says, are mm-hmm. you going to hire me? And quite honestly, I didn't have a reason <laughs> for not hiring her. <laughs> there you go. And I'm so yeah, glad I yeah. did. We brought her in, and she lit the place up. I mean, she was a ball of fire. She was, as a matter of fact, she was uh, from uh, Norfolk State University in D.C. For, for whatever reason uh, for the summer. She performed so well that the assistant secretary of education offered her a job once she graduated. <laughs> that's, that's that's how good wonderful. she was. And we have so lots I think, of stories like that of, of, of exceptional oh, absolutely. talent. 
Um, and, and if we, you know, were paying more attention, we'd have more stories. And when I say we, I don't mean um, African Americans. I mean if the, agent, if the industry itself were paying more attention. We have a young woman um, who's graduating, uh, getting her master's in public relations from NYU this year. And last year I met her, uh, was at a, her class came to the Museum of Public Relations in New York, which was founded by my uh, colleague Shelley Spector and her husband Barry Spector. And we actually participate in their Black PR History Month event every year. But anyway, Shelley, the class was visiting and, and I met this young woman and she... Um, I sent her on a couple of interviews to firms that had reached out looking for diverse candidates for their internship and program. And this one firm in particular that approached me because they know they have a diversity problem and they wanted her so badly, but she chose another firm because the internship was coupled with an internal mentorship program and that's what the other firm didn't have and because they didn't mm -hmm. get her for that reason that other firm has now instituted a mentorship program and they they got back in touch with me again but i say all that to say is this young woman they, they the first firm is a very serious firm they do very serious work a lot of white papers and and you know government work and whatever but they asked her a question about um a corporate problem that was happening with facebook <laughs> one of many of course but this was last year anyway and he said that her answer was the best, most astute answer that any he'd heard from anyone, including super seasoned professionals. And mm -hmm. she is just that smart, and I'm very happy that she's going to be working with Black Public Relations Society in terms of uh, our student population and growing our pipeline. What One of the things that we want to do is stand in the gaps. Sometimes people come out of school or they're, they do an internship and they're not as skilled at some of the technology, you know, maybe they've learned a little bit about it in their program. So we are offering workshops, for instance, with Cision and, and, and that kind of thing to help better equip them to compete for the jobs because a lot of the internships are actually auditions for permanent employment. And, oh, absolutely. Well, you know, well, so you know we want uh, to do that support. And for anyone deciding to move to New York, one of the things that we are we're going to be instituting this year is an orientation to the city guidebook for moving to the city. It can be a very daunting thing to move to any new city, but New York in particular. I'm a native, so I feel it's incumbent upon me <laughs> to offer this because it can be very difficult to acclimate here. And um, well, let me, let me, let me add that, something. being in an agency that's not diverse can be very disillusioning to a young black Well, person. you know, one of the things that, that I think about as, as I listen to you, uh, diverse candidates uh, who have performed very well, uh, you know, taking them to the PR meetings and that sort of thing and having them speak, I think that's a great idea. But I also think that maybe having them uh, speak at business meetings such as the Chambers of Commerce where the decision makers are so that they can see the caliber of people that uh, could perhaps function in uh, in their PR communications department. So, you know, just spreading well, I think that's a great idea that I'm going to have to borrow. Did you hear me? Well, you know, however, that sort of thing, is, is, is that, that's the way I think about it because, you know, here, uh, and, and I'm in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, that uh, going to the downtown Rotary, I mean, we've got all the, the heaviest hitters in town belong to that Rotary. So when you make mm -hmm. a presentation, whoever it happens to be, they know about you, they hear, hear you, and they can see for themselves who you are and, and, and what you're able to do. So it's that sort of thing in terms of, you know, just spreading the, uh, the exposure for great candidates. I agree with you completely. I mean, and one of the things, I, I, I think that's a great idea, you know, creating um, – you know, visit, creating visibility opportunities is on our docket for programs to develop, and we have some great ideas in that area, as we do with mentorship, sort of mixing it up, changing the model from the one-on-one, -on -one, you know, maybe it's cohorts and, you know, remote membership and calls and, um, you know, a variety of things. But I think you're quite right, you know, even with communications match, you know, in terms of, you know, we've discussed, you know, we really don't need to be, 
in the trades. We need to be the, the CEOs and the top decision makers aren't necessarily reading the trades every day. They're reading the business um, publications. That's, exact, that's the exactly business my section. point. And that's where we need to be. And, and so I have not thought about it in terms of having um, our contingent of young professionals and students uh, and interns speak at those types of gatherings, but that's a great idea, and I have those relationships. And so you've just given me a fantastic idea, and I, I'm going to use it. Well, <laughs> that's what we do. Building relationships is important, but in order to do that, people have to see you and, and understand what it is you're capable of doing and how it can fit into their their strategies or, or, or plans for their individual businesses. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, you know, one of the things is, you know, we also want to build the pipeline. So having young professionals and recent grads go back and talk. We want to go into high schools and perhaps into – we're definitely going into high schools and perhaps next is junior high schools and talk about the profession. And one of the things that agencies have said to me, and this may be meaningful to any listeners who are considering the field or worrying about their major, a lot because of the proliferating practice areas that I mentioned earlier, firms are more willing to look at people with different educational experience, you know, different majors, not necessarily PR communications. You can be an English major, you can be an engineering major, you can be, they're willing to take a look at people. I've had several large agencies tell me that. They want to diversify the mindsets and the the orientations of the workforce. Now, if I can only get... Well, you know, I think that, 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 that makes perfect sense because when I think about it, my agency, I I'm, I'm really want to start partnering with somebody that has experience in 3D animation because, I mean, it certainly has a place when you... you you're doing work for someone and they've got a project that they want to show in a different fashion rather than just architectural renderings. Uh, 3D animation adds an entirely due dimension to how people comprehend things. So you've yeah. got engineers that can produce that sort of stuff. Now, whether I, I don't probably don't need them full time, but at least having access to them is really important for me. So uh, that's one of the things I think perhaps PR firms can do as well as to look at, uh, as you said, other industries, other areas, engineering, architecture, airplane. Uh, how many folks uh, have ever been in a, an automated cockpit, uh, you know, where you can sit in a seat and look at a screen and learn how to fly an airplane? That's a new experience. And maybe somewhere down the line, something like that could be uh, useful uh, in, in some sort of a project. Of course, yeah. The more, yes. I mean, technology is... Uh the fastest moving thing ever. So, you know, it's constantly changing. You're never ahead of it, you know, except the people who are developing it, I guess, are ahead of it. But, That's right. you know, as, as consumers of it, as utilizers of it, we're never ahead of it. You know, we're, all, we're always either just mastering it or just learning about it or, you know, catching up. And, you know, so I think that that's really very forward thinking, and um, I would love to talk to you about that further. So, you know, I think the, 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 the points that we outline in the article are very basic for agencies to think about, and, you know, including celebrating difference. You know, communications is a human activity. Humans are diverse. To communicate mm-hmm. effectively, companies need diverse perspectives and to seek out the best mix of, quote, humans to communicate with other humans. When difference and diversity is celebrated based on respect rather than imposed, the dynamics are very different. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, we, we, that sentence is constructed that way for a reason because it really seems like, it, it, you know, there's just this impenetrable thing about making space for diverse candidates as though, you know, it's a chore, it's, it's being imposed upon them by quotas, and, and that's entitlement, that's privilege, and that's something we have to challenge. And that's what Black Public Relations Society is here to do as well, to make the connections and, and, and create the bridges and the opportunities and the networks. But we're also here to challenge the status quo. And I believe that we have a freedom in doing that, that people who are the leadership of, of, you know, not necessarily the membership, but the leadership of the Black Public Relations Society has the latitude 
to vocally challenge the cultural, structural barriers to equity that exist. Let's just be honest. If you are talking about a lack of diversity, you are talking about the presence of what? Unconscious bias, bias, discrimination, racism, indifference, which I think is actually the most dangerous um, because how do you how do you fight indifference, you know? Um, if, at least if someone has a passion about, well, you know, we don't want to have, quote, you know, that you, you can argue with them. You have an argument that you can present. And then there's ignorance. And I don't mean that in, an, in a negative way. Uh, that, that was posed to me by a, a chief strategist at a firm here that approached me because they are aware of their diversity problem. And she said, you know, sometimes, honestly, we just don't know how to go about it. And it's shocking to me because I'm like, where do they think we are on another planet? Well, you know, in some cases I certainly understand that. Maybe they just haven't had the need or the urge to to move in that direction. And that's that's the sort of person you need to really sort of cultivate and take by the hand. Let me help you get solve this problem because you can give them some guidance or some help. Yes. I'm thinking that they'll be – I'm sorry. No, you know, just in terms of guiding them as to here's how we can do it, that's what we're here for. We can help you find the caliber of the person that, or and background of the person that you need to fill a particular position. Exactly. I mean, I was moderating a panel that this woman was going to be on. So before the panel, um, I looked at every, you know, the backgrounds of all the panelists, and and her firm had produced something interesting, a report, and then I looked at the leadership of her firm, and I'm like, wow, they have no diversity. So I was, of course, going to take the opportunity to approach her and say, can we, you know, talk? But what happened is after the panel, she came up to me and said, great job moderating the panel. I really need to talk to you. We have a diversity problem. And, you know, she was open and honest in that, but also she's charged with business strategy. That means taking the firm into the future. And that means that she's aware of the changing demographics, the changing complexion of our society. So those are the people you have to reach out to, too, who have to be looking forward for how a company survives and thrives. You know, we, you know, as I tell my students, you know, all the time in marketing and PR, I don't teach as much as I used to, but what I would always tell them, you know, look, don't feel intimidated by an editor or um, a VP of marketing, whatever. At the end of the day, they're a person with a title, a phone, and a responsibility to deliver content, quality projects, all of that, and you have that to offer. So develop mm-hmm. your confidence from that space. And that's what we've been talking about. You know, we had a panel for Black History Month and all these wonderful professionals from Judith Harrison at Weber Shandwick and Helen Shelton, who's a senior partner at Thin Partners, and Neil Foote, our national president, was on the panel, along with Terry Edmonds, who's a former speechwriter for Clinton. Do you know Terry? Um, and um, uh, uh, Dr. Denise Hill, who's a professor of public relations. In, in any case, they were wonderful. They were saying to these students present, you are entitled, you have to speak up, you have a right to be there, you've chosen this profession, you have things to bring to it, and really encouraging them that I had to stop in the middle of my moderating dues and say, acknowledge them for acknowledging them. Like they called out certain young professionals in the audience that they knew were super talented and doing a good job. And I'm telling you, they these they looked, that's what they need, and that's part of what they don't get in some of these environments, that even when they do good, they're not getting the appreciation. They're not getting the promotions. They're not getting the choice projects. And that's why advocacy on behalf of, of black people at any age, at any stage of their career, is an ongoing necessity because the resistance to us is strong still. Well, Tracy, let let me say on on that note, let me just uh, sort of wind down here and basically thank you because this has been very, very enlightening. We are going to uh, put this up on SoundCloud, folks who are interested 
I would suggest uh, they maybe reach out to my guest, Tracy Wood Mendelson, at the Black Public Relations Society of New York. And, Tracy, again, thank you for being uh, our guest. I want to thank all of my listeners and ask them to join us for the next edition of Public Relations Review. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Hello, and welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast. Our topic for the program today is Marketing to Women. Now, when initially talking to our guest and she mentioned that in addition to marketing, she also has a major focus on marketing to women, that got my attention. Our guest today is Jamie Dunham, head of BrandWise in Nashville, Tennessee. In addition, she is the founder of Red Letter Day, a marketing event to women. And Jamie is past president of the Nashville American Marketing Association. And her blog is thelipstickeconomy.com. Jamie Denham, welcome to the Public Relations Review. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate being here today. Well, let me start by mentioning several of the awesome facts that you sent me about purchasing. First, U.S. female spending is a larger market than in China or India. Two, women spend more than $7 trillion a year and are the top influencers in almost all categories. And three... 92% of women can recall from memory a marketing campaign that portrays women well. So, Jamie, with this information in hand, how does one go about successfully marketing to women? Oh, that's a big question. But I think if you look across all the categories, uh, women are the primary shopper or influencer. The only place that actually women or maybe less of an influence are big screen TVs. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing that I think is really important in uh, marketing to women is to realize what's important to them. They are looking for truth and authenticity they're looking for a brand that makes their life easier and they're looking for somebody that matches their own sort of social responsibility now now do manufacturers and organizations do they miss this target simply because they fail to recognize these things sometimes as they are making their plans yes I think that people recognize that women may be their target but they miss the nuances of how to communicate to them. And just a little interesting factoid, only 11% of the creative directors at ad agencies are women. So what we see happening sometimes is the tone is incorrect, they are using stereotypes, or they may just not even acknowledge the women I work with a brand that is a convenience store chain, and they've really just started recognizing that women are one of their primary customers. Again, that goes back to stereotypes. So basically what you're saying is that organizations or entities marketing to women should definitely have women involved in planning and executing that marketing project. Exactly, I couldn't have said it better. You know, it's not always about showing women in the marketing, although showing them in realistic ways is important. But it's just understanding what's important to them. 
Well, you know, one of the other things that you mentioned, and we probably touched on it, and you said that women make up 85% of consumer purchases, but 90% of women feel misunderstood by brands. And I guess you sort of alluded to that. Uh, When, uh, what efforts are being made by organizations or companies to fix that or close that gap? Well, I think uh, you're beginning to see that companies are trying harder. They're trying to portray men and women equally and parenting. They are trying to be more genuine in how they communicate their brand. Um, I think you see companies trying to provide ways that women can make their jobs more easy, whatever that job is. Mm-hmm. Being a mother, being a businesswoman, or just uh, being a single woman. Uh, I think that it's really important for people to understand who those women are because the women could be single. And uh, that's a group that's been almost totally ignored. One in three women in the United States these days are single. And most of them are choosing to be single. Well, I guess that begs the question then, one would think based on what specifically it is that they want to sell to to women, that they would take some sort of focus group outreach to make sure that they are identifying what those concerns are, what the tripwires are, those sort of things, so that they can properly prepare their presentation, their outreach, their advertising. Exactly. I think research is huge. And I think that brands that are really smart these days that they're doing that and it's not all about the famous dove campaigns or always like a girl it's just the genuine things to first of all just understand you know how a woman uses their product what's important about that product to them and how they want to be portrayed You mentioned something else, and again, this is probably something we were touching on. It you said that, but there's a gap between brand expectations and brand performance. So it's yes. one thing based on what you tell me it's going to do, but when I actually get it and use it, it's not living up to those expectations. That's exactly right. We did a study with about three thousand women a couple of years ago, and uh, we asked what the important attributes of a brand were and how most brands were matching up to that and we heard we saw a huge gap so true and accurate claims was number one in terms of the gap you know is the product doing what it says it's going to do well you know the second one that that would be an important watch watch word if you would or something that any and all uh, manufacturers, organizations, regardless of whether it's male, female, or even kids, uh, that they're marketing to, they want to make sure that it delivers on uh, on the promises that it makes. Absolutely. Um, and the second one is no surprise either. It's exceptional customer service. Oh, heavens yes. You know, one thing I, I saw- think... You know, uh, real quick, that that I have noticed is that people are bending over backwards to make sure that customer service is up to. And, you know, obviously a lot of us have dealt with Amazon when we had to return something. And, yes, they'll say, fine, get it back in. They'll either fix it or get a new one to you or even tell you, keep the old one. Don't bother. I had some problems with uh, an uh, an email uh, host. Uh, they were bending over backwards to make the sure things work like they were supposed to. So customer services should be at the top of everybody's list in terms of performing. Well, you know, the digital age has brought in a whole new perspective to, you know, what customer service is. Mm-hmm. So most people have an expectation that a company will respond to them within an hour if they posted something on social media. And so it's it's just a different world. Well, thankfully, most of them are, most companies and organizations realize that. And uh, you can look around and you can see customer service training. I am um, on the board of the Better Business Bureau here in Nashville, Tennessee. And one of the things that we do is to go around to our members and help them 
with their customer service training because we realize that it is so very, very important. Exactly. One of the other things that, that, that you also mentioned here is that um, women spend more than $7 trillion a year and are the top, and I mentioned the top uh, shoppers and influence, well, shoppers probably, uh, and influences almost all categories. Uh, yes. I, you know, I had no idea that was really that much spending going on. <laughs> well, if you think about a woman's place in the household, she's kind of the chief financial officer. She's the chief purchasing officer. Mm-hmm. And she's the chief medical officer. So um, I sometimes I show a picture of a large family, and I'll say one person in this picture, which is usually the female matriarch, is making all the health care decisions for that family. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, the other thing I'm also noticing now is that there are a lot of car car commercials that are featuring just women driving and enjoying the, the experience of whatever car they're in. And uh, there's no man in the picture at all. So I guess that's the, the effort to appeal to, to more single women. Not just single women, but the, the woman in the household is also you know, a very important influence or the buyer of the vehicle. And in some cases, they've got a two-car two family, so maybe she, she'll make her decision about what it is she wants. Exactly. And she may be picking out what her husband wants, too. Mm, okay. She may say, I, I'm going to have the minivan, and, and you're going to have the pickup. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some other things that perhaps uh, organizations and companies need to be very, very careful about when they are uh, making efforts to market to women? I think they need to read their online reviews Mm -hmm. Uh, because these days online reviews are really more important than any other recommendation you can find. Most of the time, people have made 60% of their buying purchase before they ever go online to your site or in your store. So... You know, what other people are saying is extremely important. Do you have a presence online? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you represent women in a, in a realistic view? Is there meaningful content there? And is your brand sort of in line with what your customer is looking for? Well, I certainly agree with you in terms of online reviews because uh, whenever I can, I certainly do uh, read those reviews before making a a decision. I want to read both the positive and the negative. Uh, And sometimes the negatives are there for the wrong reason. You know, maybe you didn't read the instructions correctly, so therefore it didn't work like it was supposed to. You know, those kinds of problems. So, but I do read them on both sides and uh, make decisions from that as well. The other thing that I think is kind of interesting is for years, people have tried to pink things for women. Uh, I have a friend who says pink is only a strategy in breast cancer. Hmm. So from the standpoint of how you market to women, you know, they can see through some of that, that female pandering. And that is definitely a no-no. <laughs> now you mentioned that you did a study that, that took in let's say 3,000 women who benefited from that uh, once they once that was completed who did you share that with and what outcomes did you see from that yes we shared that at our Red Letter Day conference and we continue to use it with our own clients and then I share uh, bits of that through my blog on a regular basis. Okay. Now tell us a little bit more about the Red Letter Day, your marketing event to women. Just sort of what things, what sort of things do you market to them? Yes. So Red Letter Day is the only marketing to women conference in the Southeast. And we, de- we decided that there was a need for it. 
because so many of the marketing conferences are general marketing conferences. Mm-hmm. So we put together six incredible speakers that bring new thoughts to the table about marketing to women and good case studies. And uh, we have one day in August that uh, we bring people together for that event. We talked about practical and new things like influencer marketing. This coming year, we're going to have a whole session on podcasting. (laughs) Okay. We've also talked about more serious things like unconscious bias. We talk about how clients segment. We've talked about promotions. Uh, We've had people from Nissan a couple of years talking about promotions they've done in the women's buying experience in the automotive field. Mm-hmm. We've had experts on the pet area with pet Mars, And if you think about it, women buy in every category. So we look for people that are doing really good jobs in those areas. Well, that uh, actually sounds very, very exciting, Jamie. And uh, we're very, very pleased to uh, hear about these uh uh, the efforts that you're making and the success that it's uh, bringing to marketers uh, as they uh, reach out, out to uh, female audiences a- across the country. Sort of in closing, is there any sort of wisdom that you can give to our audience that uh, they can benefit from? I think the most important thing is to really understand your customers. It all starts with research. Mm-hmm. And if you're a small company, that could be just gathering some of your clients together for coffee and talking to them. If you're a larger company, then it certainly means things like quantitative research and qualitative research. Well, Jamie, I certainly appreciate your joining us today. And um, again, my guest uh, was Jamie Dunham. She's head of Brand Wise in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, I'd like to thank all of my guests for listening today and uh, certainly join us again for our next edition of Public Relations Review. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.